the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs. 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, Go to four82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, we survived the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. We are live with the Combat Cast. It's the man they call Dave Chevaruni. We got a lot to talk about today. We're going to get ready to talk some MMA fights. Chevy, first, let's tell them what they got coming up. All right. June 25th, we're going to be previewing UFC Fight Night, Sarukian versus Gamera. And... The Working Fans podcast is also going to be making an appearance at the local Bellator event, so I'm sure we'll preview that as well. Oh, yeah. And, uh, moving on, July 2nd, that is International Fight Week. It'll be UFC 276, Adesanya versus Cannoneer. Super excited for that card. It's going to be a great card. And then July 9th, UFC Fight Night, Dos Anjos versus Fasiv. That's the Rafael on Rafael violence that we got denied a few months ago. This is the rebooking of that, so... Yeah, a lot of fun cards coming up, but we just came off a UFC 275 banger. Great card. Um, we're going to talk about the main card. I got there in time for the main card to watch with you. Any preliminary fights you want to just shout out first? I just thought Jake Matthews looked the best he's ever looked in his fight, so shout out to Jake Matthews. Well, I mean, he was technically, he got moved to the main card. Right, so. He got moved to the main card, but yeah, he, that, that was a prelim fight originally so yes so while i'm gonna we'll start off with jake matthews a little bit then because i want to talk about that fight and we'll talk about this jack della madalina i believe his name is mm-hmm. who also got a tko because i was talking to you before about like fights to make and they're both at welterweight both these guys got big wins both got tkos so first let's talk about jack a little bit what were your thoughts on him after that performance over ramazan amiv there anytime you're beating some russian wrestler you're doing something right i mean he looked 
phenomenal. He has looked good in his last few fights, so he might be a problem going forward. You know, yeah, he, he got taken down once too, but he got right back yeah, up. Yeah, he got right back up. Yeah, so th- those are the kinds of things that are going to be required of him. You know, obviously he's a knockout guy, so you have to be able to defend the takedown or be able to get back up when you get taken down so that you can work your hands on the feet. Yeah, I was impressed. And, you know, I'm more like maybe Jake Matthews, maybe that's not the fight to make because maybe you got two prospects here now because for the first time, Jake Matthews to me, he looked better than ever. He looked like he really came into his own in this fight. He looked like he became a next level guy. Yeah, a new level of focus, it, it seemed like, you know. Definitely, he was on the ball, super crisp with the striking. Looked great. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll see big things from both of these guys, hopefully. I'm a fan. Let's get right to the women's strawweight fight. Sangway Lee, Helena Jacek. We talked about it going in that, you know, last time was considered by many of the greatest women's MMA fight of all time, one of the greatest fights of all time. And we knew really going in, like, ah, there's no way they're going to probably be able to live. This. And then this first round comes in and I start realizing that, man, this could come out like that. Because that first round, like, it was heavy volume. They were throwing so many punches. It was hard to score. And they were mixing all different forms of MMA. And I was a big fan of what I was seeing. And then the round two, same. Up until Whaley threw that spinning back fist from hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Once she hit that, it was lights out. And I think somebody I read in the comments and he posted on Instagram a video of that. It almost looked like the punch caught her off balance. And then she was, when she hit the canvas, that knocked her out briefly. Mm-hmm. Regardless, I would say it's one of those things that's crazy about MMA. Meaning, Jajacek goes on to retire after this. But as a spinning back fist goes, like, you know, if, you, if she just didn't get connected with that, and this doesn't make excuses because I have no idea who would have won this fight. I picked Wei Lee. I would have stand by that. But it was such a competitive fight. But just those little moments, you don't know it's going to happen. It ends up changing not only the course of a match, in some cases, careers and lives. Right. I mean, we had talked about this last week about how we weren't sure if Joanna was all in, you know, based on the fact that she hadn't been in there in a while. And, you know, you see her traveling and all this and uh, not as much training footage. Turns out, you know, we were right. She, she did seem to be one foot in, one foot out kind of seemed like she was going to retire whether she won this or not but the knockout i think definitely put the stamp on it so yeah anything could happen she looked great she's still you know a top tier contender so that's the way you want to leave the sport you don't want to lose five in a row like some of the people we're going to talk about later on and then retire. So she'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer when it comes to that. She's, you know, arguably the greatest strawweight of all time. Yeah, no doubt. She's definitely up there. And Wei Li, for me, this performance, her last performance in a loss in that rematch with uh, Namanunas, I thought she looked so good, even in a loss. Every else other fight she had, she looked dominant. But in that loss, I thought she looked improved. And now in this fight, I thought she was looking, she's still mixing a wrestling, but now she's adding layers to her striking Laylee is gonna be a force she already is and obviously to me the next fight for her should be the strawweight championship because I don't think we're going to make Rose as far as a three at this point. And I say Whaley's probably going to win. No disrespect to Esparza. If I'm wrong, <laughs> good for you. But uh, and I say it's going to eventually set up Rose and Whaley three, even though Rose has two victories because Whaley's going to be the champ. And it'll be a very interesting fight because if this Whaley girl just keeps improving, 
Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, I think the sky's the limit. She's very impressive. Yeah. Adding in wrestling with Suhudo, it just added another layer to her game where, you know, people have to worry about the takedown. And that just opens up her striking so much more. She's so fast and so powerful for that division. If you're not always ready for those shots, you know, a lot of girls are going to be going to sleep, I think. So, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. You know, she probably breezes past Carla pretty easily probably you know knocks her out and then we're gonna see a number three with rose at some point because you know rose is getting back to that title shot at some point if her head's in the right space and you know that's the fight i want to see i could watch them fight every weekend really absolutely just a shout out to a couple in the comments david michael harrison damian van horn producer joe thank you guys for joining us today continuing on next fight <laughs> also a surprise valentina shavanko the most dominant woman's flyweight of all time we talked about going into this we said that tala santos one thing we liked about her was she, she had these power punches she had knockout power but we also admit she would probably be a little outmatched technically and we weren't going to go against Shavanko. what i don't think we really anticipated was that power necessarily being used in the clinch so well and the wrestling so well this i would have to go back and watch this fight again but watching it live like i arguably had it for santos by maybe around or maybe you know i remember thinking like oh, i think santos might have took this fight it was super close but i thought maybe three to two and it was one of those fights if this was an undercard fight i don't think this would have been as exciting because of the style they were impure and you know but because it was happening to valentina it ended up being super compelling and exciting because we just didn't expect this mm -hmm. that being said santos probably not going to get a rematch or anything right away but i think there's a good chance she keeps winning. She's going to get another shot at this title. That being said, I think Shevanko at this point, especially after, you know, surviving this contest, I think the fight to make is she needs to fight the winner of Nunez and Pena next. Um, if Pena pulls it off, especially she holds a victory over Pena. It should be very interesting if that fight happens. But either way, at this point, I'd like to see Savanko go up and uh, try to get that Bantamweight crown too. Yeah, I think what surprised me the most was Santos being able to take Valentina down, you know, not at will, but pretty easily. She took her down multiple times. Talked about on the podcast last week about how I thought Valentina's edge over Nunez is her mentality and, and how she always stays humble and she's always looking to do her best. Well, to me, it kind of seemed like she, maybe she uh, I was wrong and she overlooked Santos a little bit. Bit, you know, in the lead up to she was asked, you know, if she was worried about Santos's ground game or anything. And Valentina said that she was better everywhere in the octagon. She was going to dominate Santos. So mm. obviously that's not what happened. And, you know, you want to be positive and, and confident, but there's a fine line where you cross over into not respecting your opponent because you know, these girls are killers. No matter how great Valentina has been, eventually someone is going to catch up to her, you know, ask around Rousey, so, or Amanda Nunes. So I agree with you. I didn't think Valentina won that fight. She got away with one. It was lucky. The judging was bad, as, you know, we talk about every week at this point, unfortunately. So as far as going forward, I think you're right. A Bantamweight fight. She's basically cleared out the division. Santos will get a rematch eventually. She wasn't too upset about it. She, she was classy about it. She said she's young and, you know, she's not worried. She will be champ one day. And I agree with her that at some point she's going to be because what she did to Valentina was impressive. Yeah. And I think Shevanko, sometimes too, I just want to add maybe, I don't know if like coming off this performance where Santos really pushed her to the limit and Shevanko, I, I do say that Shevanko is one of the greatest of all times in terms of, you know, like, when we talk about Ronda Rousey and 
Misha Tay and Amanda Nunez, you know, Gina Carano. Like, I feel like Shevanko is going to have to be a girl that gets mentioned with that. Her dominance at flyweight and really just a hair, razor hair loss to like, you know, these fights right. with Nunez. Like, she would be Bantamweight champ already, too. So, yeah. Like, She's really one of the best in two weight classes. Right. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe at least one of those was a split decision loss to Amanda. So all the respect to Valentina. So yeah, maybe it was just an off night for her too. You know, that ha- is going to happen to everyone. I thought game plan wise, she was doing great on the feet, but yet she kept, you know, getting into these Clint situations. I didn't understand. She, like she went for takedowns herself, you know, multiple times and ended up getting swept or whatever. So you know, if she had just kept the fight on her feet, you know, she could have dominated, but that's not what happened. So back to the drawing board, she got away with one. So good for her. It's another Ruby in the belt, but hopefully she moves up to Bantamweight and we see her with a new challenge. I agree. And then fabulous main event, Yuri Prohaska. We had predicted he was going to win the championship. This is not what we predicted though. This fight. Nobody, nobody predicted this. This was so crazy. Like we thought that Prohaska would probably take him out early and we felt a little bad about maybe disrespecting Glover like that, but just the styles, I felt like that's what was probably going to happen. And then we thought, you know, if Glover has a chance, it'll be late in the fight. You know, he'll survive. Instead, it was just back and fourth the whole fight (laughs) and there were times where brosco was nailing glover we thought glover was on his way out but he kept surviving and then glover most part glover dominated on the ground i would say in that aspect but every once in a while here come brosco like slipping out and getting out like when you'd be like how the hell did that happen just yep. like on the flip side, the most part, Prohaska was dominating on the feet, but then Glover would start to turn it around. And mm-hmm. I thought, had this gone decision, I thought Glover might have edged this out. That was my gut. But I got to be honest, I was having a real hard time scoring this fight because all the rounds were so close. Turns out two to three judges had it going for Glover into this fight. Looked like Glover was going to win that fifth round. And then <laughs> with just seconds left, Prohaska turns around and submits him insane ending to this crazy fight obviously what are your thoughts on the fight and what are your thoughts on both these guys individually so obviously fantastic fight for a fan i bet if you asked both fighters they weren't impressed with either one of their performances. Mm. Yuri probably thought like we thought that he should have knocked out Glover early on. And, you know, he didn't really piece Glover up on the feet as much as, you know, he probably should have. And then Glover, he has to be upset with himself. Obviously getting choked out by anyone is unacceptable for Glover. But second of all, even before those, he got on top of Yuri multiple times and then was swept by Yuri and someone of his caliber in jujitsu should not be swept by some samurai that trains in the woods by himself. So both guys room for improvement, but it made for a fantastic fight. I would have probably given it to Glover as well. If it had gone the distance, I thought when he hurt Yuri, he hurt him more when he had him on the ground and he opened that giant cut over his eye. That was a big moment. And he also had him rocked up against the cage before he tried to pull that guillotine, which ultimately lost him to fight but as far as what's next i think you know you're gonna see Jan yuri but i wouldn't be upset if we saw another rematch just because glover's so close to the end of his career and that fight was so close and so good i think people would buy it again so yeah or if it happened to brahaska and he got injured i got no problem with glover and uh Jan fighting too yeah right that yeah great fight yeah yeah any of these mixture of these three is a way to go. Yeah, I think Glover's another one who's going to have a Hall of Fame career by the time 
Oh, for sure. He deserves that. That fight might be a Hall of Fame fight. Best light heavyweight fight in recent history, for sure. Yeah, it's very interesting the way you rank Glover as far as all-timers go, because it's like he had some of his career kind of stolen from him because he wasn't able to get here in the U.S. But Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, he might have been a multiple-time champion. Like, you know, before the Jones era, he might have won that belt beforehand. Yeah, so But here's a guy that constantly improves. To, and you know what? We talk about the crazy amount of MMA, right? Here's a guy, because of his situation, had he won the belt earlier, would he have constantly made these improvements? Would he have been as motivated to do at this point in his career? Right. You got to feel like the title was the driving force and all that. Right, yeah. And he said in the promotion in the video package beforehand that after the John Jones loss, he his training camps just weren't fun and they were taking it too serious and he was hating it. And he just decided, you know, like, I, I'm going to do this. I'm later on in my career. I just want to have fun. And that's when he started winning. So yeah. you might be right if he had won the belt and lost it. You know, he might have been just so serious in his strive to get the belt back that, you know, we might have seen a different Glover. Right. And then you're also trying to overcome John Jones at that point, too, which is another obstacle altogether. Yeah, so, right. I believe Gustafson is coming back to the light heavyweight division. So maybe if Glover doesn't get the rematch, maybe Gustafson would be a, a good matchup. I think he, Gustafson has a fight booked, but. Yeah. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head now, but I, I would like to see a Glover Gustafson fight before Glover leaves. I would love that. I mean, yeah. they have fought once before. I believe that's the yeah. one where Gustafson hit those spectacular three uppercuts in a row. Yeah, yeah. Glover's gotta gotta want to get that one back. I'm sure. I think he would. Talk about a fight too, where I'd just be happy for both guys too. To right. Get, and either way, yeah, mm-hmm. Gustafson just to come back and turn his career around, and Glover because he's just gonna perennial be one of my favorites of all time now. This his journey to the championship, and now I also feel like I'm at that point too. Where it's weird, where I say some of these guys, you know, be bigger names elsewhere sometimes. With Glover, I feel like shit. This guy could still be competing. Hit right until I see otherwise. This guy's still championship material in the UFC. And honestly, I don't know when his contract's up, but God, I'd love this guy in Bellator. I, anywhere this guy goes right now, he is a made man. As far like he's not going to be okay. He's not going to be like the Conor McGregor's of this world. That guy, but he is going to be a guy that. MMA fans love, and he's capable of fighting at a championship level at this point in his career still. Um, I don't know how long this lasts, but I'm enjoying the Glover ride for as long as we get it. I think he said before this fight that he only wanted two more. So I don't know if that's changed since he lost the belt and he, you know, he wants the belt back and he'll do however many it takes to get that. But I mean, I, I believe he's 42 or something yeah, like that. Hey. He said two more. So I think that's a good number for him. You know, the same re- reason we were talking about Ioana, you know, go out when you're still winning all your fights and don't wait too late and go on five fight losing streak or something. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I just, if this guy went to Bellator for some reason too and won that championship, and I'd just be so like cool with that, you know, yeah. like he's the man. Yeah, Prohaska also, before we get on to this week's fight card, be to, you know, be silly not to talk about this guy a little bit more too. Like he's definitely got superstar potential. I think he's got the it factor. He's a little different. I think some people might love him. Some people might not like the whole samurai thing, but I know one person who doesn't. <laughs> I do as well, too. We won't throw him under the bus, but I gotta say, like, but it draws attention. It creates attention, and he's something different. And I think it's one of those things like in wrestling, they always say, right? Like you 
you're making some noise when he comes out. You're, you're interested in this guy. Win or lose, you want to see something happen. And I think, right. yeah, that's going to be for compelling. And can't wait to see this guy's next championship match. Same. All right, let's get on to this week's Fight Night card. First, any prelim fights you want to talk about here? Yeah, just some ones to look out for. Uh, Eddie Wineland versus Cody Stamen. That's a good fight. I, I believe Cody's a pretty big favorite in that. But Eddie Wineland was, you know, a WEC champion. So. Yeah. yeah, respect to him. And then Kyle Dawkus is back. That's the younger Dawkus, the jiu-jitsu Dawkus against Roman Dolides. I don't know much about Roman, so I'm a fan of Kyle Dawkus. I hope he gets a sub. And then uh, WWFC light heavyweight champion. Oh, oh. <laughs> Nice, nice. Never heard of it. And then also shout out to Adrian Yanez. I'm a fan of that guy too. He's on the prelims. He's fighting Tony Kelly. So hopefully Adrian can get the W on that one. Court McGee's on there too. Former Ultimate Fighter winner. Been around forever. Is is for a fight night, uh, this is a fantastic card. Yeah. Yeah, this is the best fight night card in, in recent memory for sure. Yeah, let's get into it. Julian Marquez versus Gregory Rodriguez. Marquez is nine and two, six KOs, three subs. So he's never, any fight he's won has not gone to distance. Great nickname, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Cuban, Cuban Missile Crisis. He's had fight of the night twice, too. So in those victories that he's finished people, they were also fight of the nights. Yep. So, and he's had a performance of the night. So this guy's a banger. Gregory Rodriguez is 11 and four, five KOs, four substitutes. So Gregory doesn't like to go to that bell either, it looks like. So this should be a good fight. I'll go with the Cuban Missile Crisis, and I'm saying round two, TKO. Yeah, I think this is a sleeper fight on the card. They're not super big names, but two bangers. So I also bet someone goes to sleep. I'm going to go Cuban Missile Crisis by KO in round one. All right. I think they just go right at it, right as the bell rings. I hope so. Now, and uh, one fight that I'm going to really struggle with both guys' names. Can't Uh, help you with this one. Yeah. There's a couple names I might, but this one in particular. Darmir (laughs) Usamogalov versus Garam. Oh, Chevy. What do you want to say with this name here? Kuta Kuta Teledis. I don't know. I don't know. This guy's from Georgia, though. All right, like let's, Giga. So. Let's talk about him first. So, Garam. Garam. He's 12 and 2. He's got seven KOs, one sub, four decisions. And his opponent, Darmir, is 20 and 1. Nine KOs, one sub, 10 decisions. Both seem pretty well rounded, judging by their records. And since I don't know both their names, I'm going to stereotype this. Darmir seems a little more Russian. <laughs> he he not, is Russian. So I think he's going to probably have wrestling too. <laughs> I always tend to favor the wrestlers, so I'll go with Darmir. <laughs> His, so I'm bad. also going to go with Darmir. Garam only has one fight in the UFC. Demir has a few, and I, I've seen him fight before. His stand-up is actually very good. He He's crisp, like a bigger Peter Yan almost. I'm going to go with him by knockout in the third round. Okay. There you go. And then we have Albert Duroff, the machete, yep. 15 and 3, 3 KOs, 9 subs. So he likes to – he's got a good submission game, 3 decisions. He's taken on Joaquin Buckley. Buckley is 14 and 4, 10 KOs, 4 decision. This guy's had performance of the night three times, and he has was the knockout of the year, I believe, in 2020. Just sensational. Spinning back. Somebody <laughs> caught his foot and he turned around with the other one, spinning back, knocked him out. Yeah, Something some would be, yeah. Action movie shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. 
So I think Buck- almost all of his UFC fights are finishes. I think you're right. Yeah, I don't have that information on here, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, basically, he's he's kind of like a highlight reel. I'm a little concerned for him because I like him that his opponent has so many submissions. Makes me wonder what's going to happen when they get on the ground. I will pick with my heart here, maybe, and I don't know enough about Machete. I like the nickname. So I will go with Buckley, and I will say another round two TKO. All right, I don't like Buckley because he has heat with James Krause for some reason. Mm. And I'm a big James Krause fan, so fuck Buckley. (laughs) The go machete. (laughs) Yeah. So Albert, I think, is going to get a – I'm going with the rear naked choke in round two. I think that if I remember correctly, Buckley was asking for more money in his post-fight interview or whatever after his last win. Mm. And I think the UFC hears that and go, oh, okay, here's this guy. And they give him a (laughs) tough matchup. So yeah. I, I'm going to go with, with Dorav. Dorav. On the inside track on that with me. I, yeah. like, I like what you're thinking here. Yeah. Then we got another banger. Oh, Kevin yeah. Holland versus Tim Dirty Bird Means. I like Let's go. Yeah. Tim Means has only had a performance of the night twice. I want to tell you that's probably a crime because a lot of his finishes have come on like nice where there was a ton of finishes on other right. cars. He's yeah. just unfortunate, yeah. Yeah, he's 32 and 12 and 1, 19 KOs, 5 subs, 8 decisions. He can do it all. Like, he really can. He's one of those guys that's like a Matt Brown to me where he's just been around the block and he's pretty good wherever you go, but he likes to go for that finish. Kevin Holland, to me, is like the younger version of that almost. Like, he's constantly expanding his game, but he likes to go for a finish constantly too. Performance of the night four times for Kevin Holland. He's 22-7-1, 13 KOs, five subs, four decisions. It's a very well-even matchup. I have trouble deciding who's going to I want to go with experience or youth in this situation. I'm going to go with youth, but I'm not going to be surprised either way. I'm going to go with Kevin Holland, and I'm going to say it's a late TKO, round three. I'm going to go with Holland via decision because i think holland is too slick to get knocked out by yeah the dirty bird but i think the dirty bird's too tough to get knocked out by holland so yeah i, I think we're gonna see a decision but i think it'll be a great fight i agree you know what i'm changing i'm going to decision yeah because i was thinking late finish now you're right i haven't picked a decision yet this will be the one that goes in. all right this is an interesting fight <laughs> two hall of fame career guys joe lozon I did not have Joe Lozon's record in front of me. Let's fix that right away. Joe Lozon is 28 and 15. I had his other things here. He's nine KOs, 17 submissions, two decisions. Joe Lozon, God, fight of the night honors seven times, knockout of the night honors once, submission of the night honors six times, performance of the night honor against Diego Sanchez. He's tied with Nate Diaz for the second most post-fight bonus awards of all time, most submission of the night honors when they were given to that. It's just so many different awards. And then we got his opponent, Cowboy Cerrone, who, again, I didn't put the records down here for this one. Probably because I was excited. 36, 16, and 2, 10 KOs, 17 submissions, nine decisions. And this is another guy here. Like, he's got he's got a lot of kickboxing titles, but UFC fight of the night six times, knockout of the night three times, submission of the night twice, performance of the night seven times. He's tied for most wins in UFC history with Jim Miller and Andre Avalosky, second most finishes in UFC history. He's tied for most post-fight bonus awards in history with Charles O'Leary. So Lozon is tied for second. He's tied for first. It's crazy. Also, this guy had a WEC career where he had fight a night five times there. 
Okay. Most of the careers, if they would put these guys against each other, I'm going for Cowboy Cerrone. They're both super talented, but I feel like Cowboy was usually a little step above Joe at different points. That being said, stylistically for this fight, Joe Lozon is a fast starter. Cowboy Cerrone is a slow starter. Joe seems to do really good when he takes time off. I don't know how Cowboy is going to do. Maybe good, maybe not. Sometimes it's good for Cowboy to take some time off. But I'm really having a hard time picking this one. I don't know who's favorite. I would think Cowboy is. Just based Cowboy's on- the favorite, yeah. Yeah. Slight favorite. Yeah, I'm kind of smelling a Joe Lozon upset here. And I want to say it's early. I'm going to say that fast. Unless Cowboy can find... You know what? He's got to learn. He's got to finally learn to slow this down at some point this late in his career, right? Like He took the time off. He wants to go out with a W probably. Ah, fuck it. Cowboy, head kick, round two. Boom. <laughs> uh, nothing like picking with your heart on that one, huh? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to agree with you. The fact that I think the biggest factor in this is is that Cowboy's a slow starter and Joe is a fast starter. I can't really pick who's going to win this fight. I, I love both guys. I just hope that we get a war and we see a bunch of grappling and stand-up. I wish this was five rounds, but hmm. everyone's always talking about, everyone you know on the inside is always talking about Cowboy's ground game and how it's so great and stuff. Well, yeah. I'd love to see the matchup against Joe Lozon, who we know has phenomenal jiu-jitsu. So. Yeah. I almost this Cowboy by submission in round two, and then I'm like, he can't fucking tap out. Like, yeah, he's probably not going to tap out. Tap out yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I, I hope this gets fight of the night. It's a war, and then both guys retire. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's I don't know who's going to win, but I just hope both guys look great and they both retire after this. All right, we got Calvin Cater in the main event against Josh Emmett. Calvin Cater, 23-5, and five, 11 KOs, 2 subs, 10 decisions, fight of the night four times. Emmett, 17-2, and two, 6 knockouts, 2 submissions, 9 decisions, performance of the night before, and fight of the night once. I feel like that knockout 6 is almost a little misleading on Emmett because I think Emmett has found his power now, and he's got great knockout power. In fact, I could see more likely him turning the lights out on Cater than reverse, but I think Cater is the better boxer. And because of that... I mean, Emmett could use his wrestling here, and it could be a problem, but I feel like Cater's got pretty good takedown defense. Like, Max Holloway did what he did to him, but, like, I don't know if a lot of people could have done that to Cater the way Max did. Max is, like, on such another level boxing-wise. Especially that night. You know, he's never looked as good as he looked that night. Yeah, I like Cater here. I think this is going to be a great fight, too. I say this is going to go the full distance, though. I think this is going to be a five-round decision. It'll be an exciting fight, but I got Calvin Cater winning. So, like you said, I believe Cater is much slicker with the boxing. Emmett does have power, but they're, you know, looping hooks. He is pretty fast, but I think Cater, his footwork, head movement, he's just going to be able to stay away from those big shots, and he'll have the straight punches that he'll land on Emmett. And I think he's going to be able to stop Emmett's takedowns for the most part and Emmett will wear out and fatigue later on in the fight due to those attempted takedowns and so I'm going to go with Cater piecing him up and stopping him TKO in round four okay so late stoppage you think of being later rounds right Emmett doesn't have the you know championship round experience that Cater has also so I think that'll play a factor as well I agree. And both of these guys have took, like, you know, tough losses in their career, too. What I mean by that is, like, you know, Cater took that punishment from Holloway, but Emmett, you know, had some injuries. I think he had an orbital bone injury at one point, too. And, uh, right. I think he got that. It was like a headbutt or something or a knee while he was down or something. Yeah. 
Jeremy yeah. Stevens. I can't remember exactly, but he had a bad injury from some illegal shot. Yeah. Seemed like it was a long time ago now. And in reality, it was probably only like four or five years ago. Yeah. Cormier, uh, Cormier and Cruz never got into him that one, if I remember correctly. Oh, uh, yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. So great, great fight night this week. Randy Osgood, Legends are back on. What was your favorite fight and worst fight of the night? I think he's talking about 275. I don't have a worst fight of night because I got there just for the main card. The main card was excellent. Favorite fight was Glover and Prohaska, even though I was so bummed that Glover kind of lost with five seconds left to in some ways. But that was, to me, just an awesome fight, fight of night. And I would say this might be my favorite card of the year so far. 275 was? Yeah. Mm. I, I would have to look at some of the other fights. You know, my memory yeah. isn't as great, but it was a phenomenal card for sure. I do wish that the ESPN Plus app was better. It's trash, and every time I buy a pay-per-view, it lags, even though I have the most expensive internet that you can get, and everything else works perfectly fine mm-hmm. other than that. So I know it's the app, so fix your shit, Disney, you bunch of bitches. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, off the top of my head, that was a phenomenal card, but we've seen a lot of good cards. So I agree. All right, guys, this has been a good show. Chevy, tell me what we got coming up. All right, June 25th, we're going to be previewing USC Fight Night, Sarukian versus Gamera, and you're probably going to get Bellator from your boys as well as we will be at the show at Mohegan Sun. And then the next weekend, July 2nd, that's International Fight Week, UFC 276, Adesanya versus Cannoneer going to be a great card uh, that also has Volkanovski and, and Holloway as the co-main I believe so I'm super hyped for that let's go Max and then July 9th we're going to be previewing USC fight night Dos Anjos versus Fazib where the, that's the rematch the Hafiel on Hafiel violence that got rebooked There's some good stuff I mean you got to talk about that next pay-per-view off air too we're going to figure out what we're doing for that already that's uh July 2nd bread weekend <laughs> oh yeah Oh, yeah. It's going to be a rough, rough work weekend for sure. Yeah, but all right, fans, that'll do it for this week. We'll see you at the fights. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.f. Them, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 